Stand with us this evening and let's praise the Lord. Good to see you all here today. We're in for a wonderful treat tonight. I see Psalms uh, 95 back here, so that's awesome. That's going to be a treat for us tonight. We welcome you here to Stratford Heights. We're here to have church, so we're going to get out in the aisles, hug necks, shake hands, throw in some high fives, and welcome each other here to the house of God. This joy that I have, the world given to me. This joy, this joy that I have. World didn't give to me this joy that I had. The world didn't give it to me. Give it all the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. This love, this love that I had. The world didn't give. 
world didn't give it to me It didn't give it all this dance that I had The world didn't give it to me It didn't give it, no, the world didn't give it And the world can't take it away This love, this love that I have The world didn't give it to me This love that I have
situations and stresses that go on in your life and the enemy does a good job of keeping us loaded down so that we don't give God what's his and that's our worship. So tonight, if you've been carrying a heavy load, if you've come in and you have a need, if there's something that's going on in your life right now and you need prayer, 
I'd ask that you'd lift your hand up right now across the sanctuary. And I'd like to ask our neighbors, keep your hands up for a moment. I'd like to do something a little bit different tonight. The Bible says that we're to encourage one another and that we're to pray for one another. So I'm going to ask if those people that are around, those that have a lifted hand, if you would get close to them, and if you would put your hand on them right now, we're going to encourage and we're going to intercede for each other right now at this time. We're going to give our burdens to God. Let's pray. Lord, there's many people tonight that have their hands lifted, Lord. Lord, they have needs in their life. It may be a financial need. It may be a healing, Lord, a restoration that they need, Lord. We ask right now that you would move in each and every one of these situations, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would lift them up, Lord. Lord, that you would move in their life, Lord, that you would show yourself mighty. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you can heal us. We believe that you can restore marriages. Lord, we believe that you can provide jobs and supply every one of our needs. And we lift and give our needs to you tonight, Lord. We declare that we're going to be free, free to worship you, free to lift your name on high, Father, tonight, because you are worthy of our praise. Lord, we're going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we release these needs to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord wants us to be free. Jesus said that we're supposed to cast our burdens onto him. And we're supposed to help each other. In Acts 2, we've been studying in Esperanza about the original church in Acts 2. And one thing I love about that church said that they saw miracles, they saw wonders, and they saw the church grow every day. But there's a few key things that we need to learn from them. One is that they had everything in common. That they had everything in common. And the other is that they were dedicated to one another. We're supposed to help carry each other's burdens and encourage one another. So let's not just make a commitment tonight to pray for these needs. Let's make a commitment to continue this week in our personal prayer time to pray for each person that you had your hand on tonight. Let's see that God has a breakthrough in their life. Amen. Right now we're going to give back to the Lord for what he's given to us. We're going to ask the ushers to come forward. The Lord provides so much. He gives us more than we need. He doesn't give us always what we want, but he gives us more than we need. And I'm so thankful for what he's done for me, as I know you're thankful for what he's done in your life. And he'll always be there for his people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight in this place, a place where we can assemble together as one and choose to worship you. And at this time, Lord, we choose to honor you, to give back to you from all that you've given to us, Lord. We ask that it would meet the need of this church, that meet the need of the ministries, Lord, that are supported by this church and the missionaries that are working hard out, Lord, in the mission field in Europe and in the Latin countries, Father. We ask that you would be with them, that you would provide every need that they would have, Lord, and that you would bless the giver tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's always a pleasure for Psalm 95 to be in the sanctuary and to um, bring messages and song. And this evening, um, we are bringing two numbers to you, and both of them are about the sacrifice that God, that Jesus Christ gave for your sins, that we can be washed white as snow, that we can ask his forgiveness, that he will forgive you, that he will also then come and dwell within you. 
The first song number that we're going to sing, you've heard it before, but it is absolutely perfect for this time of year, which is the Easter season. It's called Broken and Spilled Out, which talks about the death of Christ, what he did for us. Think about it. Would you do that for someone? Something to think about. That God loved us so much that he sent his only son to come and to be an example and then to give himself willingly on the cross so that we can be forgiven of our sins, washed clean, and one day be with him in glory. The second number that we will sing is called No Other Word for Grace But Amazing. And Audrey has the solo part on that. So go ahead, Doug.
Well, has the vo Psalm, voices of Psalm 95 ministered to you this evening? Amen. No other word. You know, John Newton wrote the famous hymn that we know of as Amazing Grace. If you know his story, you know he was a slave trader. And he was an evil, wicked, cruel man. But God came into his life and turned him upside down and changed him. And when he down in the bottom of a ship, if I remember the story correctly. He sat there with a rock into that boat and a real, realized a changed heart completely. Can only imagine what it would have been like and how much of heaven was in that little ship when he started writing Amazing Grace. However long ago it was, I, I don't think it was written in the 1700s maybe, I'm not sure, 17 or 1800s, long time ago. That song has continued to be a standard for all of Christianity. I'm telling you, the Lord was with him that day. The Lord was anointing him to write that song. And he wrote it from a heart that had been changed. How many of you have been changed by God's heart, God's power, and God's love in your life? Amen. I'm seeing you. I'm looking at you. I know you're changed. Won't you stand with me all over the house? Thank you, Jane. And the, Well, they're gone. <laughs> Many thanks to them for ministering tonight. It's been a good day in the Lord. Many people got saved this morning. So thankful for that. That's why we come to church. Just wonderful to see the way the Spirit of God moved in this house this morning. You know, some people say, you know, well, you ought to come on a Sunday night. That's, that's when the, the Holy Ghost is free to move. I'm telling you, He moved freely this morning. He had this place, and it was wonderful, and I love it. To be a packed house the holy spirit is free to be in this place amen and i always love it when people get saved turn in your bibles to numbers chapter 13 i'm going to read verse 21 down to 33 for those back in our sound booth numbers old testament chapter 13 verse 21 through 33 calling this tonight keeping the the dream alive keeping the victory not letting it slip through our fingers do that through an example i want to show you in the word of god where caleb kept a dream alive for a long time some of you you've been holding on god's been god gave you something years ago and you have held on maybe something that he gave you recently but you've been holding on telling you I believe that God wants us to stay the course and hold on to our victory we're going to look at what Caleb did to hang on to that tonight numbers chapter 13 verse 21 so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath and they went up through the south and came to Hebron Ammon Shishai and Talmai the descendants of Anak they were there now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between them, the, between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. 
Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, nevertheless, notice it started out in verse 28 with those words, nevertheless, it's everything you told us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this even is the fruit of the promised land. But nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. So we were in their sight. You've heard it said back in the day, back in the, when I was young, elementary school, there was a sign art, you are what you eat. Scared me to death. (laughs) As a young man, that was not a good sign to put up in the elementary cafeteria. I looked at food and thought, well, I don't want to be that. But the truth behind that is simply this. You are what you think you are. What your faith says, what your confession is, that's what you are. You'll never get higher than what your lid is. You'll never get higher. You'll never go any deeper. You'll never be what you, what you have, would, might want to be otherwise when you see yourself as small. Notice how they said it. And we, this is such a, a leadership quote right here. And we were like grasshoppers where first in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Father, I ask you to anoint the word of God. Anoint our time together tonight. Lord, we've come together, gathered in your house We ask you, Lord, to make it efficient, effective, make it valuable and priceless that we've come to the house of the Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, challenge us by your spirit and speak to us in Jesus' name. Now, before you're seated, I want you, if you would, right where you are, I don't want to just go through the rituals of coming to church on a Sunday night, going through the motions, a couple of songs, and let's get on with it. Pastor, get us to the end, and let's just get on out of here so we can get to Frisch's, or we can get to Old Charlie's, or we can go somewhere, McDonald's, wherever we're going to go. I want you to stop where you are right now and realize that you're not in the Stratford Heights Church of God, per se. You are in the house of the Lord. 
treat it like it is. I want you to reverence the Spirit of the Lord here in this house tonight and His Word. I want you to turn your attention to God's Word and to what the Spirit of the Lord would say to this church in this house tonight. Can you help me with that? I want us right now all over this house if you'd lift your hands and honor the presence of the Lord. And remember that you're in His house tonight. Oh God, we come to you. We honor you. We bow before you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of great love and compassion, but you're also a just and a holy God. You're a God that we should fear, Lord. In the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so, Lord, we don't come carelessly into your presence tonight. We don't come, Lord, taking for granted that we are here in this house. But, God, we love you, we honor you, and we've come to worship. We've come to learn. We've come to grow in our own spirit, to go deep in your word. We ask you to speak to us tonight as we come in your name. We thank you for it all. In Jesus, we give you the glory for it. And everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I look at this story, and, I, and, it, and it, it's something that I would enjoy, and I would, I, would, I would like to be a part. I wish that I could have been one of the spies. I'd like to think that I would have been like Joshua or like Caleb. But I, you know, I see them as they went on these trips, and, and I, I love adventures. I love to get out, and I love to travel. I, I've been privileged. I, I love the Lord. He's opened up opportunities for me. I, I, I've just been blessed beyond measure. If I, if I go to heaven tonight, Amy, I'll tell you, I have had myself one good life. I have been blessed to preach in the middle of the outback of Australia. I've done things. I've, pre I've preached in the middle of an Indonesian church filled with about 1,500 to 2,000 people. They didn't understand a word I said, and I didn't understand a thing they said, but the Spirit of the Lord was amazing. I've gone to places and experienced the presence of the Lord, and I've seen something that is amazing. The people may be different. The culture may be different. The language may be different. And I go these places, and I find something very interesting every time I get to where I'm going. And just recently, as you know, I ended up in Barrow, Alaska. And when I got to Barrow and I got all the way to the top of the world where it's freezing cold at the Arctic Circle, what I was thrilled to find out when I walked in that little, little native Indian church was I found that the spirit, the same spirit of God that I know in Middletown was right there. I felt comfortable in the house when they began to sing, when they began to pray. I didn't understand their culture. I didn't understand some of their food. I didn't really get how they did some things, but I knew this. I knew that my father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit was there in that place. And that was all I needed. That was all I needed. I found that to be true no matter where I have been. If I was in the Australian outback, we sang. Our mission team was there. And Gary, there you are. We were there. We were singing. And as we were singing, the power of the Lord hit those folks all the way on the other side of the globe on the underside way down there where they didn't know anything about us and we didn't know anything about them. But there we got there and the power of the Lord fell in the place just like we're used to. The spirit of the Lord was amazing. I've been in the South American jungle and I've preached right in the middle of the bush there and I have found the spirit of the Lord was there. I spoke through a translator and I found that through the translator, the anointing of the spirit of God was still the same and I found the power and the strength of the Lord there. So from the 
Alaskan Arctic Circle to little British youth camps to the French Congo over in Belgium. I have preached in places. I've been blessed to go on adventures and I'm thrilled. I think I would have been Caleb or I would have been like Joshua because everywhere I went, I always went looking for, for God. I went looking for the good. I went looking for the right things and I want you to see the difference tonight. What is it that made Caleb so different? Joshua as well, but I, I want to focus on Caleb. Twelve, twelve folks were sent to spy out the promised land. Twelve folks were sent to get the good word on God's plan, on God's word, on God's promise. Two of them came back with a good report. Ten of them came back with a negative report. You know me well enough to know by now I got a problem with negativity. I got a problem when people come to me whining. I've grown up in the church of God my whole life. I've seen it. I've smelled it. It's as ugly today as it was when I was a child. I never have liked it very much, and I have found the more I read in God's Word, Kyle, I find out God don't like it either. He don't like that kind of stuff. When you start thinking about who you are and who God is, where you come from and where you're going, God looks down and says, where in the world did you get that stinking attitude when I have given you everything that I've given to you? I don't understand folks that sit around. There are folks that literally, in the years I've been a pastor even, they literally sit around here, and, and I think they come in with their, their glasses just waiting and watching for something they can write on the list. You know, I don't know what to do with that list, but they want to write it down. I've seen people like that. Negative, 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 and I'm not talking about real gripes. I'm not talking about real problems. We got to work through those things. They happen periodically, and some of the very best of us, me included, have noticed the problems, and I've noticed some of the challenges that we have, some of the things that we need to change, but I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that they don't smile anytime. They don't ever want to do any good for anybody. They don't ever want to serve anybody. It's all about them. I have a feeling these 10 folks were a lot like that. I just wonder what it was about Moses that chose those 10 people. But I do know this, when I'm looking down through history, and through generation, the ones that I want to be like are the ones who have the power and have the anointing, the ones who've got the vision and the ones who've got the good word, the good report. That's who I want to be. I want to be that person. I spent time, Richard will tell you, I was on a campaign this last week. I, I, I didn't, you didn't know about it. We had a close family member, a friend, a best, the best friend of my mom's who passed away in the family asked me to come and, and do a memorial service for them. And so I flew off and I was gone for three days this last week. I had to go and take care of this situation with the family there. And it was, it was hard. It was beautiful at the same time because she was someone who had great faith in God. But I took care of that situation. But I, Richard went down with me and I was, I was determined the entire week. I've been on this campaign that I've decided I'm going to discover the power of nice I'm going to discover the power of nice. I went out of my way, Sharon. I mean, everywhere I went, I was doing my best to open doors. I was doing, if somebody was trying to take a picture with their family, I'd jump over there and I'd say, let me take a picture of the whole family. And they were like, oh, that's so nice. I'm like, thank you. Power of nice. Score. I'd open doors. I'd, I'd pick up stuff. I, I just literally kept looking for things to do for people. And I couldn't believe how many people were shocked. I couldn't believe how many people saw that as unusual. 
I was, un, I was kind of blown away myself by the people that went out of their way to make comments because they couldn't believe somebody was paying attention to what was going on around them besides themselves. I, I discovered this last week that I received a lot of joy on the inside too. There was another side of the coin that I, I really wasn't counting on, but I know it's scriptural. But I found that the power of nice and really going on a campaign to try to find as many people as I could to be nice to, to just be nice, give them my chair, stand up for a lady, let people come and get in line in front of me, bring them in. I mean, I literally was seeking out ways to be nice. And you know what I found at the end of the week? I found I was filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was connecting me to my Father. It was connecting me to the Spirit of the Lord. I wanted that in my life, and I'm going to continue the campaign, so watch out. I challenge you to, to the power of nice. Ain't nothing like it. I think God wants us to live on the mountaintop. I think God wants us to live in victory. I think we've had so many folks come along through television ministries and media ministries and they, they've tried to just spurn things and tear things down so much and abuse and misuse the word of God that sometimes we've gotten so afraid we've stepped back into things. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have prosperity in his will and work for our lives. He wants to provide for his people. He wants you and I to walk in health and favor. He wants us to walk in the strength and the power that he provides for his people. I believe God's called us to mountaintops. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. I believe he's called you and I to mountaintops. I've enjoyed this little journey I took this last week. I've enjoyed just understanding and knowing the power that comes with a different kind of attitude. These 10 folks came back and oh, it's just so sad because you know already the confidence level inside them must have been so low. Here they looked at Joshua and they looked at Caleb and they said, no, we went on this trip. We were there with you. We saw the same things you saw. And I'm telling you, no, we can't fight these people. We can't go into these cities. We can't do that. And there'll always be people that'll stand around. I've told my staff many times, I, 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 one of the things that really drives me crazy is when I'm having a, a vision day or a brainstorming day and we're talking about things that we can do and all of a sudden out of nowhere, all I get is no, 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 we can't, 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 can't. That's something that drives me absolutely nutty. Drives me baskets. Is that a word? Can you do that? I want to always see the possibilities. I always want to get out there and figure out how to do it. Now, there are ways that have to change, methods that need to be tweaked. But man, don't tell me no. Don't tell me no when God's given a vision or when God's trying to move us into a new place. There's a lot we got to do. If you want to stay status quo, if you want to stay... Stratford Heights Church of God, us and no more. If you want to just be a little church that meets on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and a couple of nights during the week, if that's all you ever want to do, then you have got the wrong guy standing in the pulpit. I am believing God for mountaintop experience for this church. I'm believing him for mountaintop experiences for his people. I'm still believing him for one miracle after another. I want to see God do great things, mighty things, things that we do not know of. I want to see the things that kind of say, man, and no other way could that have been done but through the power of God. I want to see miracles take place, not only in your life, but in the life of the church. Here these ten folks step back 
from their trip. They're spying out the land. The promise of God. They were literally looking at the promises of God, the potential of God, and they were saying, we can't. No. No, we can't. They're too big and we're too small. Well, there's reasons for all that. You know, I have found that in my own life, and I found this to be true in most anyone's life that I've ever really respected spiritually. I'm going to fill you in on this. If you feel like you have been through one battle after another, and it seems like you have just, you're constantly facing one battle, always facing a hill, always facing something that's in your way that you got to conquer. If you have ever felt that way, let me just clue you in on something. Most everyone I've ever known spiritually that I respected have always went through the battles. Always. I have seen some of the greatest figures in my life spiritually have been people that have been through the battles. But I started thinking about that. I was really mulling that over in my mind. And and I was thinking about the battles, the battles. Lord, why so many battles? Why so many battles? Why do we have to go through so many trials and troubles? And why is it that there are things we go through like that? What is that all about, Lord? And, you know, I thought about, well, we go through those things and we're tested and we're tried and we're made pure through the fire. And and I know all those things are true. But the Lord spoke something to me that that I didn't think about really until this last week. He said, you know, you can't really have a battle unless you've got a war. How can you have, and I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Here, I wanted you to say Amen. You really can't. I love love Cindy's face. Cindy looked at me and she was like, well, yeah, you can't really fight unless you're in a war. That that makes sense, Pastor. Yeah. No, here it is. You cannot have a victory unless you've gone through a battle. There's no such thing as a victory unless you have a battle. There's no such thing as a trophy unless you've had to run a race. There's no such thing as a blue ribbon unless you've been through a competition. There is no victories. There's no prizes without the fight. The more fights and the more battles you find yourself in, you ought to, that's why Paul said, I count it all joy. I count it all joy. Because he knew that what he was doing on the inside of him was making him into somebody that would be able to be effective and efficient for God's kingdom. Take on every battle that comes your way knowing that at the end of the battle for the child of God, there's always a victory. Always. We don't come through most of the time. If you trust in God and endure to the end, as a good soldier, the Bible tells you the prize belongs to you, the children of God. I've enjoyed following the Lord because I found that faith builds in those battle fights and in those victories. But there is no victory without a battle. God has called us to fight the good fight as we know from Scripture. We see that the children of Israel were in this position. And and I'm afraid sometimes we are guilty even in this day, thousands of years after we have learned their lessons and have it in print to go back and read it over and over and over again we still find ourselves repeating the cycles of the Israelites we keep repeating the things they've already been through 
We go through the times of doubt and discouragement where we're not sure that God has brought us out of this and we want to go back to the beggarly elements. We still find ourselves going through these type of experiences. I'm determined in my own life to try to keep an alert on me. Keep an alert in my spirit. I want to write it down in my journal. I keep a journal every day. I want to keep a journal in my journal. I want to keep it there that I'm always to be reminded Never, ever going back. I won't turn back. I like the songs that talk about there's no going back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to step back. I don't want to get cold and indifferent. We've seen in the Word of God what happens when children of God get cold and indifferent, and yet we find children of God who once had the fire and the power and the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. They once were so tender, a song couldn't be sung without tears dripping down their face. They were filled with the, uh, the hunger and the thirst and the desire to worship God, and you see them over and over again becoming cold and callous and indifferent, and they no longer have that fire brewing inside their heart. Oh, I tell you we've got to hold on to the first love of God we got to hold on to that in our lives I kind of believe I kind of believe that those 10 spies had lost something along the journey God had delivered them they had seen the miraculous they had felt the presence and power of God and seen him do miraculous things in their lives and here they have been told the promises of God the the promised land of God the possessions were theirs and they go to spy it out to to build the faith of the people and they come back with a negative report don't be that person don't be that guy don't be that one that sits back and allows the limits and the boundaries to totally suffocate the plan of God in your life Allow the fire and the light of the Lord to lighten you up. Get joy back in your step and in your laugh. Let the presence of God touch you once again. Where are those private times? You know, a good measure of what's going on inside your own spirit is your own desire to get alone in the power and the presence of God's spirit. To get off somewhere and get alone. I I find myself hungry at times during the day. I want to get off or get away or I want to hear a song. I've got a couple of songs that are just my special songs. And I know whenever I need Sister Rundell to feel the presence of the Lord, I'll, I'll pull those out. They're close by. I've got one of the CDs in my car right now. I keep it there on purpose. It never leaves. It's been there for about six months. And the reason it's there is because whenever I need it, whenever I feel cold, whenever I feel like I'm getting a little lax or I'm getting a little attitude or I'm getting a little bit of a problem I'll go out there and pull that out of my glove box stick it in there and it in a couple of minutes until I'm feeling the presence of the Lord and the power of his spirit touches me once again and it breaks me wide open I love what they sang tonight broken and spilled out you know irregularly we've got to take the valuable the things the treasures of that of this life that means so much to us and we got to take the the most prideful of those things and we've got to break come at the feet of Jesus and keep ourselves humble and broken before him. I'm telling you, this is our responsibility to stay in this place, in this mode of tenderness before God. Those 10 folks had become callous and hard and cold in their walk with God. Oh, don't let this happen to you. Why? I only wrote a tiny piece of this in my notes and I'm expounding on this. 
Don't let the coldness, don't let the indifference, don't sit there on the pew tonight wondering, when is the pastor going to close? When are we going to get out of here? How, how fast can I get out of here and get home? It's my obligation and my duty. My family makes me come. Oh, I want you to hear something tonight. It's time to get a fresh look at what he did for you. It's time to get a new understanding of who you are in Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. It's time to remember he's a God, as we talked this morning, a God of holiness, a God of justice, a God that needs to be reverenced and feared by his people and worshiped with a pure and a true heart. We've got to remind ourselves who we are in him and don't let yourself get cold and off to the side somewhere to where God's got to send some kind of evangelist or somebody to wake you up. Don't want to be dead to where you got to be revived. I want to stay in a state of renewal and revival constantly. I want to be like a watered garden, Isaiah says, whose springs never fail. I have found something happens when I get cold. I found that I start, I start compromising in my standards, in my way of living. I start thinking things are okay. I, I might listen to a song I wouldn't have listened to last year. I found that in my life. Am I the only one? When we start to get cold, we start to get real compromising with the things of this world. I'm telling you, when you find yourself, there's an old saying preachers used to preach years and years ago, sin will take you farther than you want to go and make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay. You've got to be alert. You've got to be aware. You've got to be, as the Bible says, and I preach this morning, sober and very much undistracted from the things of this world because the enemy comes in like a thief in the middle of the night and he wants to do his best to make you cold and numb to the spirit of the Lord. He wants to stop you from growing. He wants to start giving you an attitude. He wants you to start seeing yourself as little and small, to see the church as little and small and to start seeing the people around you as not important and not valuable. I'm telling you, those are the antichrist at work in your life. You've got to stand and re-beat and shake yourself and may the foundations that you were built on in the church that it may be completely renewed in you and refreshed. If you believe that tonight, say amen. Humble, it's broken and spilled out before God, letting God get a hold of us again. Oh, I want to almost, sometimes I just want to be baptized all over again. If the church wouldn't think it was bad for the pastor to get baptized again, I'd go and do it again. I'd do it every time we do it. I, wanna, I don't ever want to get to the place where I've replaced form with true worship. I don't ever want to get to the place where I've replaced my duties and my obligations with my servanthood and with my desire. I want God to always know I am open and I'm available for what he's doing and what he's speaking in my life and in this church. If you believe that tonight, say glory to God. Amen. Thank you. You know what made the difference between Caleb and the other spies? What made the difference with them is that when he walked in, when he saw the land, he never walked in looking at it from his perspective. He never did that. He came in to the land flowing with milk and honey. And they took the clusters of grapes and they took the pomegranates and, pomegranates and they put them all between these poles and they're carrying all these lush paradise. I visited Hawaii many years ago and went to a Hawaiian luau on Oahu. And man, I was all impressed. These, these, these tribal folks carrying these poles and there was dangling fruit and there was all kinds of a pig and all kinds of stuff on that thing. And they were waltzing through there and I thought, mm, we are in paradise tonight. 
Man, they were carrying those things on those poles, bringing them back. Man, that should have been enough. Every child of God should have been looking at those poles filled with groups, with grapes and and all kinds of pomegranates and all kinds of lush things. They should have had, man, a Holy Ghost camp meeting right then and there. The moment they saw those things, they saw them. They brought them physical proof. They brought them physical proof that the promised land was flowing with milk and honey. And then on top of that, they brought him testimony. Brought him testimony to the beauty of the land. See, Joshua and Caleb didn't go in there looking at their obstacles. They didn't go in there looking at their problems. They didn't go in there looking about how it can't be done. What is it in your life right now you think can't be done? I'm believing tonight before we leave here, that's the very thing you're going to give back to God. The very thing that you have considered or you have felt, this is impossible. Perhaps that's even why you have gotten cold and you've gotten indifferent and your attitude has changed. Maybe that's why you've become numb because you've lost sight of the possible with God can't lose that tonight you've got to get a new perspective and a new attitude on what can happen when God gets involved in the situation Caleb and Joshua walked in there and they they didn't see their problems that's one of the things I love about Randy Tunnel I was looking for him tonight I I wanted to see him and I wanted to to kind of bring him out make him make him tell this himself Randy Tunnel when I was very young Audrey you might remember because you were in the classroom with us. But we were sitting in Audrey's classroom in the, the, the singles class, the career class. And Randy Tunnel said something, oh, it's 30, 33 years ago. He said this sitting in that class that day. It was the first time I'd ever heard something that I have never forgotten that someone said outside of my family. He said, we were talking about the challenges and the struggles and the problems you have in your life. And and Randy Tunnel lifted up his hand. He was sitting to the right of me. And he said, he said, Audrey, I don't have problems. He said, I have challenges. And I sat there and I looked, listened to him. And I was like, wow, you were teaching a series on the servant king. That's how much I remember your classes. I remember that class. She was teaching out of a book that we had purchased and bought. And it was talking about the, the, the trials and the problems and the things that keep us from trusting God. And Randy lifted up his hand and said, Audrey, I don't have problems. I have challenges. I never forgot it. I wrote it down. I took it with me to college. And I kept that with me all through my college years. And I've, 33 years later, I'm telling you about it. And I've probably told you before. That was Caleb. That was Joshua. They didn't go in there looking at their problems. They didn't have problems. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you didn't have problems anymore. You don't have them. You don't have a right to start talking about your problems anymore. You really don't. I, I know that sounds a little unorthodox. And somebody might say, well, well Pastor, I've got problems. No, if you belong to God, the creator of the world and the universe, if you belong to the one who stops the very boundaries of the ocean, if you're the child of the master 
of the seas and the winds and the waves obey his commands. If you are his child, then no, you don't have problems. You have challenges before you. You have victories ahead of you. I feel that if you don't. We have challenges. We don't have problems. But what are the first things we do? Caleb had something in his mind, in his heart. He looked at his challenges. He looked at all those challenges. He didn't go back telling all the children of Israel that these were the problems. This is what's standing in our way. He went back and he didn't even mention those things. He talked about the things that they had there to win. The things that they had there that they could achieve. They could, the potential of what they could experience. The land that is so beautiful. The cities that are so perfect. The land that is flowing with milk and honey. He looked at it from God's perspective. From the perspective of who God is. Instead of from the perspective of who he is. I was on a plane this last week. As I was traveling over the land, I looked down. And you cannot believe how little people are. How tiny, minuscule trucks and cars are on highways you look down on all of that and you get a whole new perspective on the earth and your ego i got a whole new perspective on my ego in that airplane as i was looking down on that earth and looking way down there through those clouds seeing that earth i look back up and i said how can you know me how can you know where I'm at? How is it that you even care? I had a new perspective. Thankfully, there's so much word. When he started reminding me, I know the very hairs on your head. They're changed and renumbered every day. I know you're going out and you're coming in and it's blessed. I know every heartbeat and breath in your body. I know everything about how you were knitted together in your mother's womb and I fashioned you and created you and the praise and the honor that comes through those thoughts as we give that back to God. My perspective begins to change and then I think, how great is our God? How amazing is his grace? How powerful and mighty he is that looking down on me, minuscule and tiny and nothing, but oh, he looks down and he knows my every step and he helps me every day that I wake up. He knows when I'll be born. He knows when I'll take my last breath. He knows the plans that he has for me, plans to prosper me, to give me hope and to give me health and to give me a future. How great is our God? How great is God? He knows right where you are. He has you in the palm of his hand. He's engraved you there. You're the apple of his eye. That's how mighty he is. From his perspective, you can't even believe that. But that's God. And in that perspective, Caleb walked into the promised land, took a look around, grabbed him a few clusters of grapes, hung out there for a little while, just breathing in the fresh air and putting his feet dangling in the beautiful rivers. And he came back to the children of God and he said, let's go up from this place. 
Let's go because we will surely conquer this land. Why? Because he was looking at it from God's perspective and he was looking at it because God said so. Sometimes we just got to hang on and we got to put in the ground as a seed in our life. We got to put in there what God has said. And if God says you're going to succeed and you're going to have victory, then you better believe it. You're going to have it. But what they, what Caleb did was he, he, he looked, he wasn't like unaware of his challenges. He looked at them. He knew the same thing the other 10 spies knew. He knew that the enemy was strong. I mean, you do a little study on the names of those enemies they named. They, they were Ammon, Shisha, and Talmai. And if you look at their names, Ammon means what I am. Shisha means who I am. And Talmai means what I can do. So that enemy there, the enemies that were poised against them in the land of promise were, do you know what I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do? And isn't that just like the devil? And then he tries to come at you with this big, huge giant of a monster idea. The, the, the tribe, the Nephilims, he tried his very best to come at you and try to make you think that he's this big, old, bad, huge, ugly monster. When I'm telling you what, I, I, this is something I want you to, to get inside your head. I had the Lord speak to me one night. He spoke to me one night about the enemy and what they look like. You know, I see angels, Dave, sometimes, and I see them as nine foot tall. I see them as big, huge Big wingspan. I see angels as mighty and powerful. But you know what? They, the enemy, the fallen angels of God, they were stripped of all that. I don't believe they look like that at all. I believe that they are trying their best to make you think they're about nine feet tall. I think they're trying to make you think they're bigger than God, that they're more powerful than God. I think they spend a lot of time trying to convince you as to who they are and what they are and who they are and what they can do. But I think that just like them, you and I ought to stand with Joshua and say it and Caleb and say it hey let's go up from this place and possess the possession possess the land that God has given to us because they are no match for our God they're no match for our God Quit living in beggarly elements. Quit living in an earthly realm. Quit living life like you're walking on a street right here and all that you've got to conquer is what you can do with your own strength. Start looking up. Start looking out. Start looking bigger than the clouds. Start looking beyond earth's atmosphere to a God who holds this earth and his son uses it for a footstool. Understand God is a God of great power. And he's here tonight. He's here to minister again, once again, to a dead word inside your heart. He's here again, one more time, to tell you that enemy that you think is so powerful. He's got such a strong hold over that loved one. He's got such a powerful hold over your problem. I'm telling you tonight, you ought to get a fresh view of the breaking chains ability of God Almighty. Hallelujah. See him for who he is. He's not bigger than the stronghold. The enemy's not bigger. He's not more powerful. He can't create anything. All he can do is counterfeit what God has done or what God has created. 
I know this is, hallelujah. This is simple tonight, but oh, if we get a hold of it, it'll turn us upside down. Get a perspective of God's view. Start looking at your loved ones through God's view. Start looking at what God can do. Why, right now, wherever they are, they might be down at the tavern. They might be out across town. They might be out doing something they ought not to do. But you know what? God is bigger than where they are. God is bigger than the hate in their heart. God is bigger than the problems they got in their minds. God is bigger. And God needs someone like Caleb who will say, it doesn't matter. They may be giants. They may think they are somebody. But let me tell you something. They're no match for God. Let us go up and possess the possession. What is it you're possessing tonight? What is it you've got to have tonight? What is it that's died inside you tonight? What is it that you've about given up on tonight? Oh, stand up, child of God, and look into the arms and into the eyes of a great big God. It's time for the miracle. Come help me. It's time for the miracle. It's time for the transformation. It's time for the change. It's time for you to believe and have faith. It's time for you to rise up and say, God is God and I am his child. I am serving the God of the most high. It's time to stand up and look the devil right in the face and say, get thee behind me, my Lord. It's time for someone to believe God again. Oh, hallelujah. If you love him, lift your hands. Worship him in this house. This is God's house. Worship him tonight. Hallelujah. Sing with me how great. Hallelujah. How great is our God. <laughs> How great. Sing it out real loud. Let's sing God. it. Sing it with all your heart tonight. Sing with me. How great Hallelujah. is our is our God how great of all names worthy of all oh, praise him, praise him get a good perspective on who he is tonight get a good perspective on God stop looking at your problems from your own eyes Stop looking from your own thoughts. Stop looking from your own strength. Start seeing from God's perspective. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Don't we see how great. I want you to get out from where you are and find you a spot somewhere in this house. I don't care if you do it at your seat. I don't care if you do it down here at the altar, but you got to come. Bring that problem. Bring that impossibility. Bring it to God tonight. How great 
is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Name above all names. Name above all names. He's worthy, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. Name above all names. Name above all names. Worthy. Sing, how great is our God. 
How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. You are great, Lord. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. My God is great. My God, my God. Your great Lord, a great link, yeah, great link. My God is great. My God, my God is great. My God, my God is great. Your great Lord, a great link, yeah, great link. My God is great. I want to praise Him now for
from day to day, it will never lose its power. I know it reaches to the highest mountain. Gives me strength from day to day. It will never. It will never. It will never. It will never. It will Why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. Praise God. How many of you believe, how many of you believe God is able to bring the victory, going to change your attitude, going to change your perspective, stop looking at things like a human. Start looking at things like you belong to God. Amen. Like you're his child. Start looking at things from heaven's perspective. Get heaven's view. And watch. Watch how it changes. I'm believing tonight. Testimonies going to come out of this service tonight. How many agree with me? Say amen. I believe it's going to happen. Praise the Lord. While these continue to pray, they can stay here as long as they want to. I want you to be blessed this week. I want God to touch you, use you, and I want to challenge you to go about your business looking for as many ways as you can to show a good attitude and to be powerful in being nice. I want you, I want you to prove to yourself the power of nice. So I'm challenging you to that. How many are going to do it with me? You're going to look for ways. I want, there, there, there's, I don't know how many people are here tonight, but there's a good number of folks that if we're all like this, the city of Middletown, they're going to put it on the front page of the journal. There's a whole bunch of people just going around being nice, being servants, being good. Challenge you with that today. It'll change your heart. It'll change you. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I like to think I'm a, I'm a nice person. I like to think that I'm, I'm a serving person. But I had to literally think about being nice on purpose. I, I like to think if I run into you, I'm going to be nice to you. People say, well, I'm a nice person. The power of nice, that's different. I had to literally remind myself, get that door. Pick up that case. Do this for that lady. Do that for that man. Open that door. Open it. Close it. Give them. Pay for that. I had to think about it on purpose. I think you will too. So let God use you in the power of nice this week, all right? All right, God bless you. Hug at least 10 people. Let them know you love seeing them tonight. And uh, you can pray for them this week. God bless you. Mm, glory, glory, glory.